Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. Today, we're talking about a new book called The Masters of Makeup Effects, and my guests are the book's authors. First, returning to the show is makeup effects artist Howard Berger, who last spoke with me about his Oscar-winning work on The Chronicles of Nardia. Howard, nice to see you again. Good seeing you, too. Also joining us is co-author and veteran film journalist Marshall Julius. Marshall, welcome to Below the Line. Thank you for having me on, Skid. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm glad to have you both, and we're going to get right into this. So, The Masters of Makeup Effects will be available in less than two weeks, and is available for pre-order now. I've been lucky enough to peruse an early release copy, but let me hand it back to you guys. What should readers expect of this book? I think what they're going to be able to see is first, gonna, there's over a thousand amazing photographs in this book that we, we uh, you know, gathered and accumulated from all the contributors. And, and, and Marshall and I ended up interviewing almost 70 people from like makeup artists to visual effects artists, to directors, to writers, to editors, film editors, because we really wanted to cast a wide net as far as, you know, what this was about. And what I really, really like about this book is, and unlike any other book, th this is all firsthand accounts. This is from their mouth. And that's what makes it really, really special and really unique. The inspiration for the book was a book from the 80s called Making a Monster uh, that Al Taylor and Sue Roy wrote. I loved that book as a kid. And what it was is each chapter was about another, a makeup artist, you know, and that really inspired me. And I had said to Marshall, like, I want to do something like that, but not chapters on each person. I want to kind of spread it across. So Marshall kind of came up with the format, which was great. And really, there's 15 chapters, and in each chapter is about something different, about the film industry and about the world of makeup effects. Once we interviewed everybody, and we did it about between two to three hours per person, uh, which was a lot of words, Marshall <laughs> transcribed everything and went through it and, you know, and then put, put all the interviews and all the discussions in the proper chapters. But again, I think what makes this so amazing is it's it's from John Landis, who is a great director who did American Werewolf and Thriller, you know, things he has to say about makeup effects that he's done, you know, in the past. Or Fred Raskin, who's an editor, James Gunn and Quentin Tarantino's editor, and talks about how he utilizes the makeup effects. So it's really a, a great chronicle of what we do for a living and how it's utilized and, and all the fun we have. And, you know, some of it's a headache and some of it's not, but it always ends up being tons of fun. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say that that's about right, Marshall? Absolutely. I mean, there's, we don't shy away from the, the tougher side of the business, but it's, it's, it's very celebratory, the tone of it. I mean, if I had to describe the book in one sentence, I would say it is the greatest coffee table book of its generation. <laughs> if I could have like two sentences, um, I would probably say it, it's by it's from insiders, but it's not for insiders. It's not for people who are, um, you know, pursuing a career in the business. It's for anybody who has an interest um, in film, in TV, in art, in um in just you know wonderful backstage stories i mean a lot of the, like the, we have a whole chapter of advice and 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 this is and it's just great life advice frankly it's like if you're you know from successful people from people who work hard to get where they are and have to work well in groups and teams and um you know in high pressure situations and uh, i think that that's the stuff there that applies 
to everybody. But Howard was very clear at the beginning that he didn't want it to be like a like a how to. It's, there's nothing instructional. You know, you're not going to learn how to. Um, you know uh, how to run foam or, or put pieces on or, or you know do any of that stuff but we do talk about the art of it we talk about you know the creation of things the thought process that goes behind it and so there's nothing it, there's nothing to exclude anyone um and that's why I, you know I, I i something i really love about it, it it's uh it's for everybody and should be bought by everybody okay that just sounds like a bitch now <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you guys have both been uh, talking about this project for a long time. And then how did it actually come together? Marshall and I have known each other for like 16 years. I, we met each other when I was in London doing press for the first Narnia film. And I ended up, part of the gig was like I gave a little talk and then I made up every interviewer as a character from Narnia. And so I made Marshall up as, as Mr. Tunness, as a, as a fawn. But he was more Mr. Bunness than he was Mr. Tunness. <laughs> you so, said I was an excellent fawn. I'm sorry, yes. Yeah, he was the best fawn ever. And uh, he was a very Better than fawn. that McAvoy chap, anyway. Yes, and look what happened. Never heard of McAvoy. I know, exactly. So, and look, yeah. here I am. Here I am. Anyhow, Marshall has, for the last 15, 16 years, has been asking about writing a book. And I've just been too busy and didn't really feel like I was at a point where I was ready to do it. And then the pandemic hit and Marshall said, well, now you have no excuse because I know you're sitting at home for the next five to six months and let's <laughs> figure out this idea. And, and we did. And it was great. And we, Marshall and I talked every single day and figured out what we wanted to do. And it was it's a great collaboration, actually. I mean, there's nothing better than working with someone, one, who you are friends with that you like a lot. And and two, that is super talented. It's like, I know what I want, but I'm not a writer, but Marshall is a great writer. And so the combination of my access to everybody that we talk to and Marshall then you know, being a great wordsmith that he is brought it to life and was just a, a great partnership. You know, how's being modest? It's not just access to the people. I mean, yeah, that is huge. You know, as a journalist, I've written projects in the in the past and it's it's really hard. It's a, it's a nightmare and a headache trying to get access to all the people you need to speak to. Whereas Howard's like, oh yeah, I emailed them. We're talking to them tomorrow. And it's like, <laughs> it's just a completely different world, but it's not just access. It's Howard has an incredible insight into, you know, I mean, he is, he is one of those guys. He, he, know, he understands the business inside and out, has boundless enthusiasm for it. He knew all the best questions. I mean, it, it has you know, amazing instincts. You know, we, the interviews that we did, it would never wouldn't have been a fraction as good um, without Howard. So it's like it, it was it was an amazing collaboration. I mean, it did from the moment that I said to Howard, let's do it now. It's like, hooray. There's a there's a worldwide pandemic and we know not only that we're at home, but all the people we want to talk to is at home. You know, it was like talk about skid the silver lining to a pandemic. It was like we started that moment, didn't we? I mean, by the next day, we'd already made up provisional lists of chapters and the people you wanted to speak to. And we were just all in immediately. And it felt like we were like that for the two years it took to actually put it together. What was it? A year and three quarters or yeah, something? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, man, it was a lot of hard work. I mean, write, you know, interviewing, organizing, writing it, and then the pub trying to find a publisher. And this and this is the thing too. You know, people think like, oh, I'm gonna write a book and I'll just publish it. It's like, yeah, it doesn't work that way. I mean, my wife and I, Marion and I went to this uh Barnes and Noble bookstore in in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley. And we looked through all the entertainment books and wrote down all the names of all the publishers 
that would perhaps be good to reach out to. And we reached out to all of them. And out of that, out of all of them, we heard back. Well, we heard back from everybody, which was mostly thank you, but no thank you. They really felt like the book was kind of a, a little too niche for them. But we ended up having like two or three publishers that really wanted to do it. And we ended up uh, deciding on going with uh, Welbeck Publishing in London. And that's the thing, too. It's like it's not you can self-publish a book. That's great. But you're not going to get, you know, 20,000 copies out there. You're not going to have the widespread, you know, maybe you'll 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 sell what you can sell. You know, if you put on Amazon, I have friends that certainly have self-published books and graphic novels, and that's fantastic. And I, you know, always supporting them and, and buying them and so forth. But this was something different. When the books arrived, How and I both got our books um, recently. And, uh, you know, you get your author copies a little ahead of time. And um, if we'd self-published, I think that the quality of it would have been, you know, iffy, as we say in England, to say the least. It would be okay. Whereas our book is, uh, the, the covers are, have like raised lettering inside. The pages are like those heavy sort of clay paper. You know, they're shiny and glossy. The book's got a good weight to it. It's like you hold it and you think this is like a, a proper thing. You know, Howard and I are both obsessed with movie books and have been collecting them, you know, and have, you know, shelves full of them. We worked really hard to make something that we would want on our own shelves. And the thought of having, you know, other people having uh, our book and treasuring our book on their shelves. And it may be even, um, you know, inspiring some, you know, younger kids to get into the business the same way that, you know, Howard was inspired by making a monster. I mean, that's incredibly cool. So I probably, I just answered one question. I probably answered a future question there too. So <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll back down now. Tell me more about the contributors, given a bigger sense of the, just both the, the breadth and the depth of contribution what we wanted to do is hit, you know, hit everybody. It wasn't just going to be like, you know, the top 10 guys, you know, obviously we, we reached out to Rick Baker and Rick was really uh, obliging and, and Rick Baker, you know, has the most Academy Awards. Like I think seven Academy Awards for his work for makeup films like American Werewolf and um, Men in Black and uh, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. I mean, Rick is really like, he's the guy I grew up like admiring as a kid. I was like, love Rick Baker. So, but we talked to Rick Baker, we talked to, you know, uh, Greg Canham, who did Lost Boys and has numerous Oscars as well, and Titanic, and, and Greg is a real amazing uh, make guy and did one of my favorite werewolves, which is the Ozzy Osbourne werewolf from Bark at the Moon video, which I love. Um, you know, Kevin Yeager, who uh, did Face Off and um, uh, the Bill and Ted movies and you know, Bill Corso, who, who is really an amazing uh, designer and, and makeup artist. And Kazu, Kazu is a yeah, genius. That's right, Kazu Hera, who has, you know, two Oscars and probably another one coming up once that Leonard Bernstein movie comes out next year. Um, Kazu, won, you know, is uh, did Bombshell and Darkest Hour. Kazu is one of the, the greatest and brilliant minds of all time. So we really hit a lot of a lot of people. The, the thing also that we did is we, we went all around the world. So, for instance, we interviewed Eva von Baer and uh, Luve Larson, who did the Baron Baron Harkonnen for Dune, on top of a whole bunch of other things. Interviewed uh, David and Muncy from Spain, who did a lot of the Guillermo del Toro uh, work, um, you know, Devil's Backbone and and the one Labyrinth. Hands Labyrinth. So, you know, we really went all over the place. A lot of a lot of artists in the UK, Mark Coulier and 
Barry Gower, who did Game of Thrones, is now did this last season of Stranger Things. And Nick Dubman, who basically Nick did Dubman. all the Harry Potters. Yeah, amazing stuff. He yeah. told us fantastic stories about the Harry Potter movies, the films that these guys have worked on. You know, And even if you haven't heard of all of these people, definitely by the end of the book, you're going to know who they are. But even going into the book, you may not know their names, but you will know the makeups that they worked on the Jack Nicholson Joker, you know, the Heath Ledger Joker. We have the stories. We, you know, the, the Elephant Man from the black and white 80s uh, British classic. We, you know, we have the stories um, from the horses' mouths of all of those makeups and, and their creation. Every every time we did another interview, and it was like it was, it felt like we were just ticking off this amazing checklist of iconic films, you know, classic um, creatures and, and makeup effects, and building up a really fascinating picture of what it's like to work in the makeup industry. I asked Howard before we started if I should do any sort of research, if I should read up on anything, and he said not to bother. That by the time we got to the end of all the interviews, that I would know everything I needed to know, and he's right, and and I think that we managed to impart that. So when you read the book, by the end of it, you've got the same picture, I think, that I got, how it all came to be. And it's just fun. It's just so much fun. You know, Howard's number one word is is, is fun. And, you know, it's like, because if it's not fun, what's the point of doing it? And we set, and we set up the interview process and, and, you know, putting everybody at ease. It's like, we're just going to talk like we were at dinner or something like that. And it was, it just kind of just had a natural, organic flow, every conversation. And it wasn't like, even though Marshall and I wrote up questions and sent them the questions prior, you know, you might ask a question, you know this, and then out of that answer, there's like five new questions. You're like, oh, you know, what about this? What about that? And then we did a lot. It was just really friendly conversation. And, mm. and that made it really easy because there's uh, not everybody is like Marshall and I who are very like open and, and love talking and very, you know, just that sort of way, you know, and um, there's a lot of guys that are very much introverts. And, and yeah, some um, people need a bit more coaxing. But, but we had the time, didn't we? We had the time yeah, yeah, to do that. And we great. weren't worried either about, like, we had a bunch of questions, but if yeah. if somebody didn't want to talk about something or they wanted to talk about something else or, or we discovered we thought we would get some A from them, but we ended up getting B. And the point is that um, we actually just took the best of, of every chat and we put it in the book. And, you know, out of the hundreds of thousands of words that we ended um, up with, um, we ended up using, uh, you know, the 70,000 best words out of all out of like 140 hours of, uh, of interviews. We used the cream of the crop, the, the funniest and the most interesting stories. The amazing photographs themselves could support a book, but then combined with really these nuggets of insight, the process of taking all of that material and turning it into this book, that sounds like an overwhelming task. Well, Howard, you should talk about the pictures because that was no less Herculean a task than organizing the words. So people were very, very gracious. I, we ended up collecting 4,000 photos and there's about 1,000 photos we were able to use just because our publisher was like, okay, guys, it's too many photos. Like, <laughs> got to kick back. And I was like, but I love this one. There's so many photos I wish we could have used. Hopefully this book will do well and have a great response around the world and um, we'll get to do another volume because there's so much that's missing. And also there's a lot of people we didn't get to interview, which I really wanted to do. And we, we Marshall and I blocked out X amount of time 
months, you know, to like, okay, in, in the end of August of 2020, we have to be done interviewing because we have to start writing. We have to deliver the book, you know, this date. So we backed it all up. But there's a lot of people that we didn't get to talk to, which which I feel bad about. And, but hopefully we'll do another volume and then we can include them on top of other things we didn't get to include in this book. But the photos were amazing. I just poured over and Marshall and I would again, talk every single day and go through everything. Like our fingers are are on every single page of this book. They would send us, you know, their version. And then Marshall and I would cut and paste, you know, on Photoshop, like, no, this here, this goes here, this word. No, no, this is wrong, you know? And so once we put it all together and they kept sending it to us, then we had to do all the captions and we wanted to make sure everybody got credit. Like I always hated as a kid, looking at a photo and there was like John Chambers and unknown artists, you know, work. And I'm like, who are those unknown artists? And, you know, we researched, like there were people I wasn't sure who it was, you know, maybe in a photo that, you know, Neil Gorton, who's a big uh, UK makeup artist, big Doctor Who, and and I mean, tons and tons of great makeups. And he's like, oh, well, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so. And I'm like, good, I want to put all that in there. So we really made sure we covered everyone. I don't want anybody who's in the book to not have their name in the book. You know, so Marshall and I were really, really careful and cautious about it. But it, it's a it's a huge labor of love, wouldn't you say, Marshall? Oh, for sure. I haven't there hasn't been a day when I haven't um, worked on the book since the moment we had that first conversation. And since since sending it off, it was like immediately went into okay, now I want everybody to know about it mode. But I, I just I just love it. It's it's just so much fun. I'm so proud of it. I've just never worked on anything that I've been prouder of or that was more fun or, or interesting um to put together just the whole process was kind of thrilling and we were lucky that with our publishers they were incredibly patient i mean howard said you know our fingers are on every page and we really are because i mean literally you know we would go through every single page every picture every and we would say oh well this should be here or, or this picture needs to be blown up a little more and we were just i mean we super micromanaged them and i've never had an experience working with um uh, publishers or an editor who would actually indulge us to that point but they knew that we knew what we were talking about and we knew our audience and they trusted us and I'm so glad they did but so it means that if if, if people don't like the book which I don't think it's going to happen we've had nothing but you know good things but we've really got no one else to blame but ourselves you know, because literally it's like it's us you know um and we had we had a good editor Ross and a great designer uh Russ um, which did get confusing sometimes but yeah i mean we but we loved it we didn't want to you know we didn't want to just provide the, say here are the pictures here are the words and you know just go ahead and do your best you know we were just uh just wanted it to be like i said those books that we grew up with you know or better you know it just had to be something special and it damn well is well with the idea of turning some of our listeners into readers is there an anecdote or two you would share as a teaser like just sort of the flavor of what people can expect there are so many stories in the book that I love, and and a lot of them are um, stories about uh, the artists growing up before they had any professional gigs, when they were you know nerds in their bedroom making masks or or experimenting on their friends or with their brothers. There are lots of hilarious stories, and you wonder how they all even survived it. Um, but I suppose as I'm a big Star Wars fan. So um, huge Star Wars fan, classic, you know, the classic trilogy, especially. Um, and we interviewed Christopher Tucker, um, who who did the makeup effects for um, The Elephant Man. And famously, everybody, everybody agrees that it, had there been an Oscar for best makeup then, 
um, he would have won it. And in a way, it was sort of a scandal that he didn't win an Oscar for that amazing makeup. And they actually established it the following year. And Rick Baker, who was in our book, um, won it for American Wealth in London. Um, but we actually we tracked down Christopher Tucker. He lives in he lives in England. He's he's uh, very old, um, hilariously eccentric, very interesting. I've become friends with him. Um, and after we started, after we talked about um, quite extensively about the Elephant Man, he sort of let slip that he worked on on Star Wars. And I sort of heard a rumor of that, but there's not very much known about what he's done on Star Wars. And the stuff, and, and and I actually had ended up. He used to call me after we did the interview. He would then just call me and talk more, and he would say, "Oh, I hope you're recording these pearls." And so it's like I always made sure that I had my tape recorder ready, my digital recorder. And like whenever he called, I'd be like, "Okay, Christopher, you know, tell me about this, tell me about that." And over about four or five more conversations, he would just say little things about Star Wars and stuff that he worked on, and he worked on, and, and it's like we managed to build up this whole extra thing and i just and stuff that i'd never read before in star wars so he worked on the cantina sequence um and loads of people worked on that scene i mean rick baker worked on that scene later but before he came on and produced more aliens you had um was it Stuart freeborn and um brought on christopher tucker to sort of like co-run the cantina sequence and he and and Christopher was saying, oh yes, you know, he was talking about characters that he created, and it was like, uh, and you know, we know every single character in that cantina now; they're all incredibly famous. And so he created the the the, the character that starts the fight with Luke. He's wearing the orange top. You know, he had those sort of things on his front. And school we used to call him Bumface. Apparently in America. They all called him Arsed Face. Um, but I think it, the the Star Wars people say that his name is Ponda Baba. But it's like, <laughs> he'd always be bum-faced to me. But he created him. And he's like talking about taking stuff home and working on it. And then, oh, and he worked on Chewbacca. He actually helped designing Chewbacca. And it's like, I've never read anywhere about that. So we got all that amazing stuff. And, and the most terrifying thing, though, he said at the end, once we finished filming, we said to George, what should we do with all these aliens? And George said, I'll oh, just throw them away. And so he tells the story about how they actually go, um, they, they went outside. To, do you call it a skip in, in America? You know, the big dustbin that people deliver and then you just throw it all out. Um, big dumpster. No, we, don't, we do not call it a skip. Yeah, we call it like a dumpster. A giant dumper, dumpster. Yeah. So basically they went out to, to one of those. There was one on the street and they just threw everything in the, uh, in the dumper, like all this stuff. And Christopher Tuck said, you know, had he known the stuff would have been as, you know, as valuable. And then obviously he would have just put it all in the boot of his car. But he said to me, and this was my favorite quote, he said, but I could never conceive that anyone outside of a mental asylum would ever want any of this stuff. <laughs> you know, I think if you're a Star Wars fan, and there, believe me, there were a few details I left out. You know, that was like an absolute thrill for me. Howard, how about you? Any particular anecdotes that stuck with you? There's a lot, but Ken Diaz, who's in the book, who's a really prolific makeup artist, uh, worked on The Thing and and Heartbeats and tons of movies. And uh, I mean, you know, Zorro. Uh, he, there's always been like an urban legend about his relationship with Mickey Rourke. And he's done a lot of movies with Mickey. And, you know, Mickey's a very unique personality. We've worked with him at K&B before. Anyhow, there's always been this rumor that Mickey and Ken got into serious altercations during filming over one thing or another. And, and we asked Ken and Ken told us the story and it's all true. Everything I heard, all of us heard from, from you know, all this, again, like the, the urban legend lore 
is true with Kenny, you know, Mickey attacking Ken one night in an alleyway on, while they're shooting Barfly. And then, you know, the next night, Kenny was standing by with a two by four with a powder puff tape to it. And when Mickey walked in, just started pounding Mickey in the face with it, you know, and just real, those two guys were like really going at it. You know, like a lot of the, a lot of the cuts and stuff on Mickey Rourke and Barfly are real caused by Kenny in a, in a, in a makeup, in a makeup trailer brawl. And I loved all that stuff because there it was, that's, that's, you know, again, everyone talks about the legend of Kenny Diaz and, and that was a, a true legend and uh, that, you know, he, he talked about. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, like Marshall said, there's so many great nuggets through the course of this book. And even though there's so many people we spoke to that I've known for 30, 40 years, I learned something new about all my friends, you know, uh, and things I never knew about. And, and also the book is not a trash book. It's not like this guy is talking poorly about we really, and nobody talked poorly about anybody um, because of the generations we're all from, you know, we all are very supportive and encouraging and inspired by one another. And so that was really nice. It's not a, it's not a tell all book on any level. These are all personal stories that people tell, you know, uh, you know, Lois Burwell, who is an amazing makeup artist who who worked on Highlander and Legend and Saving Private Ryan and all these movies, talks about applying, co-applying the darkness makeup on Tim Curry with Nick Dudman. And that's one of my all-time favorite makeups. Uh, for, I love that makeup. I think it's perfect. And that makeup was designed, created and designed by Rob Bottin, who, you know, is a mastermind, you know, that did the thing and the howling and explorers and a million other shows that I, I love. Yeah. I mean, there's, it's chock full of stuff. And like Marshall said, you may not know who a lot of these people are when you start the book, but at the end of the book, you're going to know who everybody is. Yeah. And, and um, it's, it's nice. It's a, I really, I really love it. I'm really proud of it. I'm really excited. It's surreal. It feels surreal. Like to get the, our first copies from the publisher, which we did, like Marshall said this week, it, we've been working on this for so long and it just, now that it's real, like it's done, like here it is, the book's sitting right here. And I'm like, wow. So I guess we are finished. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to call it a wrap. But thanks so much for your time today, guys. Well, thank you very thank much. You. Yeah, thank you so much. Listeners, I always appreciate your feedback. You'll find my contact info at our website, blowthelineoneword.biz. That's B-I-Z. You'll also find past episodes and links to all of our social media. So check it out. Now, guys, the book is available for order. But I know that our L.A.-based listeners also have some chances coming up to meet you guys in person. That is correct. So, yeah, you can order it on Amazon.com in the U.K. and the U.S. right now. And uh, we have some cool events coming up. So on September 18th at Dark Delicacy, which is in Burbank, California, from 3 to 5, we're going to be doing a signing there. And that's going to be chock full of contributors. We've got like 20 other people coming. Then on September 20th, we're doing this live event at the uh, Montauban Theater in Hollywood on Vine Street. And that's going to be starting at 6 p.m. on the 20th. And that's going to be great. And we're going to have a handful of contributors there. And we'll be showing, projecting photos and stuff from the book. And Marshall's going to lead a Q&A. And it's going to be really wonderful. And then on the 25th of September, we'll be at the Academy Museum uh, signing books uh, from 1 to 3 p.m. And uh, there'll be a handful of uh, contributors there as well. And when I say a handful, it's 
no less than 10 for the most part. So it, it's, it's going to be great. So, and plus it's a fun day to spend at the Academy Museum and go to Fanny's and get lunch afterward. And actually, because we have such a bewildering number of uh, things happening, I mean, you know, in a good way, lots of signings, lots of different places where you can get the book. And we have some wonderful, you know, t-shirt merch as well. And uh, so what we've done is we've, uh, we've got our own uh, website. So at masters-makeup-effects.net. And uh, there you'll find details of um, every signing and uh, any merch that you might want to get as well. Links to wherever you want to buy the books um, and you know, and lots of other fun stuff. So that will be a good place to go to for like all the information that you need. So masters-makeup-effects.net. Well, Marshall, thanks for sharing that website. We'll put that out there as well, folks, where you can go to learn more. Uh, my closing credits, thanks to Curtis Five for our music, John Juan for our logo, and to all of our listeners, I appreciate you. Please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. Thanks again from Below the Line.